Welcome in to the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Well, it's time for another Deep Slant Podcast. We've got a player. We go behind enemy sidelines. We do it all. And player this week that we talked to, Nico Collins, the rookie wide receiver. He's back after being on IR, missing three games. And while the Texans lost at Indianapolis, Nico was a bit of a silver lining in that game. He caught four passes for 44 yards in his return. Hopes to get the ball rolling and do even more. He's got a great chemistry with Davis Mills. Obviously, he has a chemistry with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, that's how he got injured. The 32-yard pass in Week 2 against Cleveland was a great catch. First offensive play of the game, and then he went out. So uh, we sort of were left hanging with Nico Collins and what he could do, especially after seeing him in training camp in this offseason. Just big-bodied receiver, wide, wide catch radius. And it's exciting to see him back on the field because – um, you know, this, the ceiling is still very sky high for Nico Collins, and uh, he's 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 looked really good so far uh, when he has been out on the field. But anyway, we talk about football. We also talk about him being at Michigan, and he gives me his best Jim Harbaugh story, which is uh, really funny. I think we could have done a whole podcast on his Jim Harbaugh stories. And uh, we just get to know a little bit more about him. What's he like off the field? He's a very chill wide receiver. Uh, does he have a diva quality? I ask him that. And uh, what does he like doing his free Free time. It's something that I think most of us would enjoy. So we get into all of that with Nico. Um, and then I go behind enemy sidelines with Danny Sarek. We talk about the Cardinals ahead of this game against the Texans. Cardinals obviously undefeated at 6-0. and And we know the faces on the other side of the field with J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. But that's a very loaded team. Do they have any weaknesses? Uh, Danny gives us a little clue on one of them. But first... Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, stream Texans games on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network, and count on a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? All right, let's get right into the podcast. Nico Collins, he's got a great story. Went to Michigan, but he was recruited very heavily by a lot of different schools, especially one, Alabama and Nick Saban. We get into all that right here on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Nico, I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet. So first of all, welcome back to the field. I'm sure it feels good to be back out there playing. It feels great, man, just to be out there with my teammates competing on Sunday, man, just getting that feeling again. You know, it's it's glad to be back. I'm great. Glad. Yeah, David Culley said that you added a little bit of a spark in your first game (laughs) back. So, you know, obviously you don't want to be on IR your rookie year, but you were and you're already off again. So what were those – what were those three weeks like for you? You know, it was it was pretty it's pretty rough. I got hurt Cleveland game first play, man. You know that I feel like that that really set me back. So every day it was kind of a mental thing, mentally locked in in the meeting rooms, even during practice. You know, even though I'm not getting the the physical reps. You know, I had to lock in mentally. You know, act like I'm really getting the game reps. So it was it was more a mental thing for me. Um, but I feel like I did a pretty good job doing that. You know, making sure I was staying engaged, making sure I'm not getting behind on the plays or new formation anything coach kelly put in anything like that you know but um i did feel like i, I did pretty good you know being on ir you know i hope that i'm not back on that thing no more because it was devastating no but nobody <laughs> wants to see you back on there again tim yeah. kelly actually said that you looked like you hadn't missed a beat and when you made that catch at cleveland tyrod taylor was the starting quarterback and you come back yeah. in and it's davis Mills. so yes, you haven't missed a beat the quarterbacks yeah. changed yes, you know ma'am. what has that mm-hmm. transition been like for you um you know it's well I, I get both reps with davis and tyrod you know so I mean, the, the, I feel like when I went in, first game back was Indy, you know. We came back that week, you know. I feel like we had the connection because we get those reps during camp and, you know, OTAs, you know, and just 
every day doing practice. You know, Ross O'Neal, you know, we, they switch doing quarterbacks, rotation, you know. So it really don't matter who I go with. You know, we all getting the timing right, you know, on the routes I have. So just things like that, you know. So going coming back in the game, you know, make sure my connection was good with Davis. You know, it wasn't – it felt like, you know, Ross O'Neal, you know, just like practice. Yeah, it did seem like in yeah. training camp, you guys had a great <laughs> chemistry going, you and Davis. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. you you were getting a lot of passes from him. Did it yeah. feel like riding a bike, just sort of getting back there and getting yeah. your timing yes, back ma'am. again? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, you know, just like practice, you know, running run routes, you know, make sure the timing right, make sure he putting it right there on my chest, you know, just pitch and catch, you know. So that was make, making sure, you know, that we got that done on Sunday. All right. So Brandon Cooks had been asked about you quite a bit during training camp in this uh-huh. offseason, and he said – that you did not look like a rookie to him. <laughs> he said he may be a rookie, but he doesn't look like a rookie Good. to me. So uh, what sort of steady are you? Are you like one that watches a lot of film? Are you the type that you get out there once and you do it and you get it right? What, mm-hmm. what is your preparation? What's your process like? What made it so easy for you to yeah. make that transition this um, offseason? Yeah, so I said the, the best way I learned is actually going out there and physically doing it. You know, So, uh, for example, um, say we put in a new install, you know, I see it, write it down, and then the best way I understand is going out there, hearing it, and going get lined up, and actually going through the the footsteps, the footwork, and the timing with the quarterbacks. Just getting, is having Cooks in the room. Just, just the his, his leadership he brings there. You know, I learned a lot from him since day one I got here, man. You know, he always been there for me. You know, always in my ear. You know, whatever question I have, anything, you know, he's always there to give me advice. Or if I ask him a question about a cornerback, or just like releases you know he always there for me you know no matter what you know and I, and I really appreciate him all right coming from Michigan you had some familiarity with Pep Hamilton and Ben yep. McDaniel so yeah. I know they you know <laughs> Pep coaches quarterbacks and you know uh-huh. he's not your receivers coach but yes, how much ma'am. did it help having coaches that knew you from Michigan and, uh-huh. and you got here and you had some familiar faces does yeah, that help a lot a lot it, it does it does it help a lot you know um luckily you know I came here and it was here you know so they was there with me when I first came to Michigan um I think my first two years then coach Pep ended up you know leaving but I think McDaniels coach McDaniels still there you know just having them there here with me um I feel like it's it's very helpful you know familiar faces you know it's not coming to a new environment new scene you know different level you know a whole bunch of new faces, you know. It was some that I knew, you know, so I'm very grateful that they're here. And they still coach me hard as always, you know, nothing changed. Nothing's changed. Nothing changed. All right, so you went to Michigan, but you're from Birmingham, Alabama. Alabama, yes, ma'am. And I was reading that uh, Nick Saban actually offered you a scholarship as a sophomore in high school. Yes, ma'am. How did that go? So he just showed up at your high school and offered you a scholarship yeah, so, to Alabama? Yeah, so, no, this, this is what happened. I got an offer from Southern Miss that day. I still remember. So I got an offer from Southern Miss. You're a sophomore in high school. Sophomore in high school, okay. yes, ma'am. So I was, it was last period, and I was working out, and so – my coach, head coach, um, Coach Hood, he um, called me to the office and he said, uh, Nick Saban on the phone, you know, so I was just, you know, I was happy, you know, being a sophomore in high school, he was like, wow, you know, Saban want to talk to me. And, you know, so I went to his office, you know, I talked to him um, and he wanted me to come up on, on a visit that weekend, you know, just so I could see, see the campus, you know, see how it is there, you know, so um, that weekend I went there and then he ended up offering me a scholarship, you know, in his office, you know, so that one, that I'm blessed for that one, you know, because he, being so young in and, and 10th grade, you know, that was my, about to be my first year on varsity, and um, he offered me a scholarship, you know, it was just amazing because not many people get the opportunity, you know, so it was a blessing for sure, and then um, that next day, Auburn offered me, so it was kind of like a rivalry. Uh-huh, both. sure. You know, it was like, oh, Bama offered me, no, I really got to offer him too. So, you know, Auburn offered me that next day, and then ever since then, my recruiting just took off, you know, so I'm blessed for that. It's pretty sure. amazing that Nick Saban yeah. calls you up as a sophomore in high school, but you said no to him. 
So you really, you really wanted to go to Michigan, and I read somewhere that you were re- you were doing the opposite. You were trying to recruit Michigan mm-hmm. to take you on. Did you send them film of you? How did that process go um, for yeah, you so to get Mi- Michigan interested in you? So actually, so actually, I went to a camp in Michigan. It was I think they were hosting like a like a, just a regular camp, you know. Um, so I went there for a visit actually, and then I end up being in the camp. So um, the camp, they just wanted me to run a couple routes to see, you know, how run, move, you know, things like that. Harbaugh, he offered me a scholarship right after the camp, and, you know, um, I was blessed for that. And then it just, he, just the way he's been, you know, locked in and engaged, you know, through my recruitment. You know, he never, you know, just offered me a scholarship and then it's like disappear. You know, he made sure, you know, how I was doing, how school was going, you know, make sure, you know, he wanted me there in Michigan. And I feel like my senior year, that was that was the best move for me. So is that you know, what is that what won you over ultimately was just the the interaction that you had with Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, and then he ended up coming down um, for a visit. Um, he actually came to a home visit. You know, um, you know, he came in like he lived there. You know, he came in, took his shoes off. You know, got comfortable. <laughs> and, you know, sit, just it, sitting in your house. Yeah, and once I saw that, I was like, yeah, you know, I, li- I like. That's impressive. Ball, so you when know, you're in he, high school, to have a, a head coach yes, of a program ma'am. come and sit in your house yeah, like that. Yes, ma'am. And then just. Just the way he's engaged with my parents. My parents loved them. I loved them. You know, just the interaction, man, just with everybody was amazing. So when I started this job, Jim Harbaugh was uh-huh. the head coach of the 49ers. Like, yes, when I was growing up in Indianapolis, he mm-hmm. was the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm a little bit oh, fascinated wow. with Jim Harbaugh <laughs> and his entire career. Yeah, man, I love Harbaugh. He's, he's, a he's, he's a character. He is. Do you have any good Harbaugh stories? What's your best Harbaugh story? <sighs> best Harbaugh story? I think it was after practice one day. You know, he was full of khakis. He said he was about to go over to the swim swim team and jump off the platform, right? So he was like, okay. We didn't think nothing of it, but he was serious. You know, he didn't change or nothing. He in his full, in his khakis. Khakis. He, he was, was going to do khakis, this. Khakis, T-shirt, socks, hat, glasses. I'm talking well, about Kate. like he just took it off and just jumped in. You know, it was kind of like. He All took right. off his clothes and jumped in the pool? No, he, t- he took off his cleats. Oh, he only took off his shoes. Cle- yeah, just cleats and his sweater. But he had a T-shirt, khaki still on, socks, hat. <laughs> what? Like, it was crazy. And he jumped in, and he did it. You know, so it was just like, he's different. He's okay. What did, did you ever find out why he did that? Uh, I don't. But he didn't want to get it. He got his khakis <laughs> all. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why, but. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. It. So it was like, all right, he's, he's pretty fun. You know, he's great coach you know he's loving making sure everybody's you know locked in and engaged you know always there for anybody so i appreciate him a lot man my time that i did there all right i also sure. read that you were an aau basketball standout and you were one yeah. of the top ranked players in junior high i did not even know that they yeah, ranked yeah. aau players in yeah. junior high yeah <laughs> so how, how how did that happen how how were you ranked and what were you uh-huh. really good at um so I fell in love with basketball pretty early. Um, I say basketball is my first sport I fell in love with. Played up until my senior year in high school. Um, so I played AAU a lot. I'm trying to maintain between AAU and football. Sure. But it was it was hard, you know, just being in the weight room and going to the court trying to dribble and losing the ball, you losing your touch. So um, it was it was it was pretty hard to balance. And my football end up my football career ended up taking off like recruiting. So I was I wasn't getting that heavily recruited in basketball, but I had a couple looks. Um, so that's that's kind of where football kind of you know took off from there. But um, I played shooting guard, point. What else? I was the I was played four also. But I could do it all. You could do it all. I could do it all. How tall yeah, were yeah. you? How when um, did you hit your full height? You're like I what say, six four? Yeah, I said I always been tall. I always been the tallest in my class. Okay. And, you know, so oh, I say I always been about six four, six three. In high school? 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Six, three in high yeah, you're probably pre- pretty dominant yeah, basketball yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty tall in high school. You know, I, I always been the tallest, like no matter what grade I was in. All right, I was reading about your weight because when you started college, you were about. Well, you were under 200 when you started college, but yeah, then you yeah, went yeah. up. Yes, ma'am. So and I was then like 198. Five, yeah. First going to college. Sure. And then I ended up being 215 my sophomore year. And then my junior year, I ended up being 230. 230. <laughs> okay, so I was going to ask you, was yeah. that by design or how did that no, happen? No, yes, ma'am. So um, I was playing my whole sophomore year with bilateral hernia, hernias. So um, the end of my sophomore year, I ended up getting a repair. Okay. And um, so I, I missed the entire spring ball, entire beginning of camp, you know, because due to my hernias, I couldn't run, I couldn't lift. Oh, I see. Anything. So, I, you know, I was eating bad, you know, and just working out. So, and it called up to me when I was able to return to the team. You know, I was overweight, out of shape, you know. So, I feel that was a huge mistake on my part, you mm-hmm. know, not being, you know, locked in during the, you know, recovering process. So, yes, yeah, so I played my junior year, 235, 230. You still played year. it that way. Yeah. Played at it, yes, ma'am. And then um came back from my senior year, and that's when I had to tighten up and, you know, make sure what I ate was correctly. And right, because people were impressed with you. Yeah. People were impressed with you at the senior bowl because you had mm-hmm. trimmed down. You were faster. Yes, you were ma'am. lighter. How did mm-hmm. you wh- How did you lose the weight? Oh, I just watched what I ate. And it oh, that's out. it? Oh, yeah. it's so easy. It so easy <laughs> when you're in college. You just watch what you eat yeah. and it all comes off. <laughs> all right, so you seem like a pretty laid-back guy, but I feel like most wide receivers have got, like, a good, a really good diva quality about them. Diva. What's your What's your diva quality? Diva? Oh, like, man, like, I, don't think, I don't think I'm a diva. Like you, you, I no, I'm sure you're not, but, you know, like, what, you like your shoes or you don't like your food touching on your plate. Like, um, there's got to be something that you're kind of particular about. Um, let me see. The way I lace my shoes. Okay. I like, so it depends on what kind of shoes I wear. So, for instance, if I wear some Jordan 1s, I like, like, I like to have the laces hang. Okay. Or I like to take them out in, um, the first hoop in time and the second one. Okay. Kind of almost make it seem like it's kind of like floppy. Okay. A little swag. Um, <laughs> but. Do you ever hide the laces so it's just like. No, nah, you can't hide the laces. You never hide the laces? I like to hide, hide the laces sometimes because I feel like. You want to see the shoe. Well, not in the Jordans, nah. but like other shoes. Okay, yeah, other shoes. Other shoes, sometimes see. you want to see the shoe. You don't want to yeah, see the yeah, laces. Yeah, Jordans, you can't hide the So laces. you're a little bit. So it's just it's the laces. That's it. It's the laces. That's the yeah. best we're going to get out of you. You're really, you're really pretty laid back otherwise. Yeah, I feel like I am. Yeah. I feel like I am. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I feel like I'm just level minds. Our headed. social media people said that you like a lot of tweets about napping and sleeping a lot. Is that your is that your hobby? Yeah, your hobby yeah. is sleeping. <laughs> I like sleeping. I'm I love, same. I I'm not gonna sleeping. disagree. I, uh-huh. I just love laying down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's the best feeling. You know. Do you take cat naps during the day? Uh, I used to, but yeah. now I, just, I don't because I go to sleep kind of early. Yeah. I wake up early. Because, yeah. Yeah. So you get your sleep in. What time do you go to bed? Nine thirty. Okay, and then you wake up. Uh, Five fifteen. Yeah, that's get, not. Yeah, I mean, that's you're getting you're getting the right amount of sleep. Yeah. I would think. I say not? latest, latest. I say ten thirty, latest. Okay. Max. No time for naps. Yeah. Maybe in the off season. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love naps in off season, <laughs> especially like after a hard conditioning day. You get done around twelve, go back home, shower, you got the rest of the day chill. Yeah, that's a good nap. That's like a good four hours. That's a great hobby. That's a solid. Nap. I endorse that hobby of napping. <laughs> All right, what about for the rest of the year? Because. You never know what's going to happen at the quarterback situation. You got Tyrod, you got Davis, and and what are some things that you want to get better at? You've got some games um, still ahead of you. Everything. I just want to get better, just understanding the offense, understanding the coverages, working on my game. There's always room for improvement, you know. So I just feel like those things I really want to work on, focusing on. But overall, just become a better player. You know, I just want to be there for my teammates, man, um, and just show up on Sundays and make plays for my team. All right, we're looking forward to seeing it, Nico. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much for the time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
Great stuff from Nico Collins. Can't wait to see what the rest of his rookie season brings as we go through the rest of the games. If Tyrod Taylor comes back or if it's Davis Mills, he seems to have a chemistry with no matter who is at quarterback and who's throwing him the passes. So very talented and a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to watch him develop. All right. Well, the Texans are facing the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday in Arizona. A lot of familiar faces on that side of the field as the Texans face J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins for the first time in a non-Texans uniform. I know what you're thinking. Yes, it's going to be painful to watch because everyone thought that those two would still be here and they're not. But this Cardinals team is fully loaded. It's not just those two. Kyler Murray's playing at a great clip this year, as well as Zach Ertz, who will probably make his debut against the Texans on Sunday. Why did the Cardinals feel like they needed to trade for Ertz? Uh, Why did they need to do it now? Are there any weaknesses on this Cardinals team? And uh, what about Cliff Kingsbury? He, He missed that game against Cleveland, but does anything change for the coaching staff after they pulled off a win without their head coach on the sidelines? We get into all that and more. I chat with Danny Sarek. We go behind enemy sidelines. She's the Arizona Cardinals team reporter. And uh, here is our conversation. Sitting at 6-0, and the only undefeated team in the NFL. Uh, this team seems pretty talented in all phases. Does this Cardinals team have any weaknesses? If we were going into this last week's game against the Browns, it would have been really easy to say it's the run defense. But of all weeks for this Cardinals defense to figure it out, it was this past week against the Browns who had the number one rushing team in the league, and they held them to just 73 rushing yards. So it seems like on both sides of the ball, this Cardinals team has really found a way to be cohesive, and they've done so with injuries and adversity, not only with players, but with coaches as well who weren't on the sideline. So there aren't any blaring you know, concerns on this team right now. And I think that's what makes them so scary is there's not necessarily one easy part about this team for opponents to pinpoint to attack. Yeah, you mentioned the missing the coaches. I was going to say, yeah, last week, uh, maybe not having your head coach on the sideline, but that really didn't even seem to be too much of a deterrent for a Cardinals team that really beat up on the Browns. So Cliff Kingsbury, obviously we know how the COVID protocols go, but If he doesn't go, uh, if he doesn't get his two negative tests, obviously he can't be on the sidelines against the Texans. But if he is, do do you think there's anything that he could take out of that Browns game that maybe he might do in the future, like delegate play calling or do anything differently since it did seem to go so well? I'm not sure about delegating play calling for it by any means, but I think maybe giving Kyler Murray some extra freedom. And I'm not saying that in the sense that he's, you know, had him change and just doesn't take Kyler Murray's input at all because that's not the case but after the game Kyler even kind of joked about having a little more freedom making those audibles as he's reading the defense so I would think maybe that would be something that maybe that might change moving forward but we heard from all of the coaches that the reason they were able to so seamlessly fill those roles because Cliff Kingsbury is not only the head coach he's the offensive coordinator and he's the play caller so there were a lot of moving parts for this game we heard defensive coordinator Vance Joseph who split those head coaching responsibilities he talked to the media after the game and said the reason it was so seamless is because of how Cliff Kingsbury creates the game plan and throughout like works with the coaches throughout the week so it really wasn't too difficult for them to step in and take over those responsibilities all right you mentioned Kyler Murray so it's year three for him so far this year 14 touchdowns four interceptions three rushing touchdowns It seems like he's using his legs less. Do you think that's part of his success this year? And how have they approached using his legs versus using his arm to to get some of those first downs? 
That's absolutely been intentional. The, the key is to keep your quarterback safe and healthy. And Kyler has the skills to get out of the pocket, to scramble and extend those plays. And they're not trying to take that away from him, but not necessarily have him focus so much on the run game. And they don't really need to this year because you have Chase Edmonds in the backfield as your starter, your shifty running back. But they brought in James Conner this offseason, and that's been their downhill guy to wear out these defenses. So he has his weapons in the backfield, and we know he has plenty of options down the field with DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore. There's plenty of options for Kyler Murray to choose instead of just using his legs. We actually saw that against the Browns. There were a couple plays where Kyler had yards in front of him to take, but instead he waited for the play to carry on, went through his checkdowns, and ended up passing the ball instead. So it's definitely been intentional for this Cardinals offense to not rely on Kyler Murray to use his legs so much this year. Yeah, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, we've seen the mind-blowing plays that he makes on the field and the touchdown catches. He is second in the NFL with six touchdown catches, but I saw something a few weeks ago where people were talking about his lack of receptions. Is that just a matter of having so many weapons on offense, or is there a concerted effort to get more targets for Hopkins? I think it is just trying to spread the wealth, and I think it's more so... It's, it's really a respect to DeAndre Hopkins because he is one of the best in the league at that position. And so opponents are going to key on him. Of course, they're going to want to double team him. They're going to want to put their best cornerbacks on him. And look, if you leave DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one, it's not even really a 50-50 chance. It's, it's going to go to D-Hop. But by defenses focusing on Hopkins, that's allowing A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore to get open and make those big plays. And remember, there's going to be new Arizona Cardinal on the field this week and tight end Zach Ertz. So I would expect he's going to get some looks as well. So it's not necessarily that they're not targeting DeAndre Hopkins on purpose. It's just that he's getting so much attention from the opponents that it's leaving these other receivers open. Okay, so you mentioned Zach Ertz. We saw the news recently that that the Arizona Cardinals were going to trade for the Philadelphia Eagle after they lost Max Williams to a knee injury. So what is going on with the timing of that? Why was it so important for them to sign Ertz right now? Was it just a matter of getting another tight end? Was it Ertz that they really wanted? What did they like about him and how he fits into this offense? I think this team is understanding that they are hot and this is you don't want to stop that momentum and Max Williams played such an important role not only as a catching tight end but as a blocker and so that's something that they were looking to replace and Zach Ertz who throughout the league we've kind of known throughout the media he's been wanting out of Philadelphia for the last couple of years and this just seemed like the right fit for him to come to a team that is winning that has an explosive offense and has a role for him to play and you, you can't not be excited about Zach Ertz he's been in the league for like what almost a decade pro bowler he won the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles so I think the Cardinals are really excited to get that skill set of not only a reliable receiving tight end but someone who can really help in the blocking game as well. All right. So J.J. Watt, we've all seen what he can do here in Houston. And Vance Joseph was actually defensive backs coach here as well a while back. So they've had their familiarity. And now J.J.'s in Arizona. And I saw that he put up his first sack of the year and in Cleveland. There's a lot of buzz about how well Watt is playing for that defense, even though the numbers may not necessarily reflect it. Is he doing anything differently in Arizona than he was on this Texans defense? He was he used to move around a lot on this D line. So uh, is there anything different that he's doing with the Cardinals or is it really that same JJ just moving around on the line? 
I think it's it's to an extent, it's the same JJ. I mean, he's going to be a monster anywhere you put him on the field. But recently when he was talking to us here, the, the media uh, this past week or so, he was explaining that that's because he's really just focused on his job. There are so many playmakers here on this Cardinals defense. He doesn't necessarily have to move around and always be that guy to make the play. And so by just focusing on his job, that's going to a lot of these other defenders, Marcus Golden, Jordan Hicks, who also had multiple sacks last week against the Browns that's going to allow them to get to the quarterback and force fumbles and it's also going to force the opponents to know that they can't just focus on JJ Watt which of course is going to allow him more leverage to get to the quarterback so it's really just him he was saying he's just focused on his job but he is coming off back-to-back amazing games the 49ers and the Browns last week and that's just because he's getting comfortable in this scheme he wasn't participating throughout training camp so of course it's going to take a little time to get used to things but he is really picking up steam here and he's had great games and that's not always based upon the sack numbers he had a strip sack and so that was recovered by the Cardinals and they put up seven points on the following drive it's so much more than just those sack numbers but JJ Watt has absolutely had a phenomenal last two weeks and they expect him to just continue to trend upwards yeah, we thought that one of the beneficiaries of J.J. Watt being there would be Chandler Jones. And in that first game, he had five sacks against Tennessee, but he hasn't really put up the same sack number since. Now, I know he's on the COVID list or he was on the COVID list, but, you know, how has J.J. Watt's presence affected Chandler Jones and some of the other playmakers on that defense? I think when you have a veteran who is as respected and has been so successful at their position as you do with J.J. Watt, the other players are going to take notice. They're going to look at his work ethic on the practice field and how he's taking care of his body and focused in meetings and what he does in the games and how he's motivating other people in that leadership role. And that's huge in the locker room. And so I think that when you have someone with J.J. Watt's experience and his leadership and the way that he focuses on the game and takes every snap so seriously and is so intense his play it's it's infectious and so the other players are definitely going to pick up on that and, and step their game up all right Danny I wanted to ask you about the Cardinals schedule it seems like they're playing really well on the road and their home games even though they've won them have been a lot closer what do they make of that I think this team is really just what they say of being focused 1-0 and every week, regardless of where they're playing. They are 6-0, and which is the first time this franchise has started 6-0 since 1974. So it's really taking a lot mentally for this team, regardless of who or where they are playing, to not get swept up in that. Being undefeated is not the end goal, and this team will tell you that. So it's really starting to get to the point of the season where mentally it's really tough of you have to stay focused of not getting caught up in the fact that you're undefeated and you're beating these teams, these good teams. I think that's something maybe the national media is kind of missing in their coverage with the Cardinals, but that's what they're focused on. Not necessarily whether they're on the road or at home, but just that 1-0 mentality every week. Now, they do get to be back at State Farm Stadium. They have been on the road a lot so far this year, so they've got a two-game homestand. They've got the Texans and then Thursday night football against the Packers, so they're excited to be home and be around their fans, uh, but they're still having to really stay focused mentally on just 1-0 every week because you don't want to get caught up in the confidence or you know the, the attention from the media of being undefeated. What are they making of this Texans team coming out to face them at home? Obviously, the record is not where the Texans want it to be, but 6-0 team facing the Texans who um, have only won one game this year. How are they sort of viewing this matchup? 
I think it just goes back to the last question about this being really tough mentally of any team. It doesn't matter what the record is, the team you're facing. Anything can happen in the NFL. Every player, every team is a good team at this point in their career. So it's about staying mentally focused. And again, not comparing the fact you're going into a game as an undefeated Cardinals team going up against a one in five Texans team that's been struggling. You know, the Cardinals are not going to want to play down to anyone by any means. Uh, they're just going to want to stay focused and and just try and get this win and then move on to Green Bay. It's going to be a, a very quick week here in Arizona. All right. Well, familiar faces on Sunday and uh, it'll be interesting to see first time for J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins facing the Texans and the Texans facing them. Danny, thank you so much for the time and we look forward to chatting soon. All right, the game is on Sunday. It's at 325 um, Central Time, and I pause because Arizona is one of those states that doesn't observe daylight savings time. Fun fact, uh, which made it a little bit interesting for me this week because I was kind of confused if they were on Pacific or if they're on Mountain, and was their kickoff time in Mountain or Pacific, and how does that affect us? Well, our Kickoff time is 325 Central. That's all you need to know. They are actually on Pacific time. They'll switch to mountain time when daylight savings ends. It's hugely confusing. And the only reason why I know any of this is because I once lived in Indiana before they observed daylight savings time. I know. It was super confusing. It was actually more confusing when I moved to Texas and I just didn't understand how my shows were on at the same time, even though we all moved the clocks and pretended like this was the new time. It was very, it was a very hard concept to grasp. And now that I've lived here with the rest of the world observing daylight savings time, it's hard to go the other direction and backwards. But you know what? That's neither here nor there. 325 on Sunday, CBS, Sports Radio 610. Catch the pregame show, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. We will show you a live look at the field as well as give you the first look at the inactives and the starting lineups. All of that, it's coming up Sunday, probably about an hour before kickoff. So let's say 2.30 Central Time. If you can tune in, just, you know, check us out on Facebook. Um, download the Houston Texans mobile app. You'll get the notifications. You will know when we are up and running. All right, that's going to do it for our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And, uh, you know, check out HoustonTexans.com for all the stories, highlights, actually video versions of these interviews and more. That's all up there right now as we speak. All right, that's going to do it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.